three, two, one. Welcome back to the Culturally Distinct Podcast, guys. It's your boy, DJ KO. I'm glad you guys tuned back into the show. This is your boy. Look, I haven't seen y'all guys in about a week or so. I know I've been busy. I've been on the road. But that's a good thing. You know, I'm keeping busy. I'm staying busy. I'm trying to get this information out to you as fast as I can around the holiday time. Hope you guys, for the holiday time, you guys are having a great time. Hope you guys are enjoying family and friends and make sure that you guys give to somebody that doesn't have as much as you. Uh, in saying that, I'd like to give a shout out to my sponsor, 605 uh, Adult Beverages. Also, I'd like to give a big shout out to my partnership at Red Coral Universe. Much love for you guys to make culturally distinct domestic, making culturally distinct domestic, also international in terms of our platform. So I appreciate you guys. Thank you for that. So today, you guys, you know, I, I like to bring uh this information to my people, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, we we have a lot of information that we get from wrong sources. And this individual that I have on the show today, I've seen her on YouTube. You know, out of all places, you know, we have this technology. And uh, out of all places, I've seen her on YouTube and she was spitting some game. I was like, oh, I like that. I like that information she uh she's spitting. So I wanted to bring on my platform. And just so we could help our people out in the process of uh, purchasing things and making sure that when you purchase, purchase purchasing things, making sure that you have the right uh, logistics going forward in uh, your purchases. So I'd like everybody to welcome to the show, Miss Rhonda Burgess. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> How you doing today, ma'am? Oh, I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. And you? Awesome. I'm blessed. Yes. It's holiday time. It's Christmas almost. Yes. New Year's, Christmas, one of them, you know. It's, oh, I know. A week from today, and it's like Christmas Eve. It's flying by. Yes. I know, right? I yes. But so it's good. So, Ms. Burgess, tell the people who you are, where you're from, and what is it that you do? All right. My name is Rhonda Burgess. Um, I am a real estate broker here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm a native Nashvillian, which that's a unicorn now. We've had so many people who've moved to Nashville um, that those of us who are natives, we're, we're unicorns. We're rare to find. But I'm born and raised here in Nashville. Uh, I'm also an Army veteran. I, I served in Desert Storm. Um, and I've also been a, uh, a mortgage underwriter for the last 16, 17 years, as well as doing real estate. So um, that's me. Uh, I'm, I'm married with, with uh, four kids and um, I'm all about, and I have my YouTube channel here uh, on YouTube. It's, it's my name, Rhonda Burgess, B-U-R-G-E-S-S. And I talk all about um, underwriting and getting a mortgage and being able to purchase real estate and I'm showing you from the underwriter's point of view. So I show you why people get denied and the different things that you need to do to prepare yourself for home ownership. First, it starts with your mindset, and then it goes into the financials and different stuff like that. So I'm all about letting people know what they need to do to actually acquire home ownership. Okay, I appreciate that. Look, shout out to Nashville, shout out to Tennessee, shout out yes. to the kids, shout out to the hubby. Everybody, you know what I'm saying? Much love. So before we get into it, because a lot of people don't, don't even know what an underwriter is. Right. They just think when you purchase a home, you go through a real estate uh, agent, you go through the, 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 the firm that has the uh, the loan, you sign the loan, 
and they give you the keys to the house. Right. So could you explain to us what is an underwriter first and what do they do? Right. Because yeah, uh, people get it confused. And there's two there's two separate people, just like you mentioned. There's the real estate agent. That's the person you're going to contact when you're first getting started in the process of buying a house. That's the person that's going to help you to find a property. They're going to do your contract negotiations. They're going to set up your closing. Um, they're going to help you to open escrow, depending on what state you're in. And then they're going to help you through the process. They do the home inspections with you. They interact with the appraiser and different stuff like that. The underwriter is a person you will never meet. Mm -hmm. in the transaction. Uh, there's hardly, there's been no time that I've ever talked to an actual borrower as the underwriter. I'm employed by the bank or the lending institution who's going to give you the money. Mm -hmm. I am the person who reviews all your paperwork, who reviews your credits, who reviews the appraisal on the house. I do all of that. And I, I am the gatekeeper of the money. Mm -hmm. The bank pays me to mitigate risk. Lending mortgages is all about risk. The banks don't want to lend to people who they feel will eventually, who will foreclose, who will stop paying, or who do not have the capacity to pay. So the underwriter, our job is to approve the loan and to get the money out the door. And it's also our job also to disprove the loan, to say, no, this person, no, this is not going to work. Um, this person either doesn't have the credit, the income or whatever, but I'm the gatekeeper of the money. And I sign off on, you know, the actual, you being able to actually close and purchase the property. Okay. Okay. So I don't understand. So like you said, you're the, the person that pretty much keeps the money in compliance with whom the bank gives the money to or who they don't give it to. Right. 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 So could you could you go through this for me for individuals? Because I know a lot of people want to know this. What are the steps that underwriters take in approving or denying a loan? Like what are the exact steps? Like what is the process? Well, I'm going to start off and say it this way. I know a lot of people like to go to the bank that they work, that they've been working with all these years, whether it's a big bank like a Bank of America, a Chase a Wells Fargo, or you may go through uh, a mortgage broker. A mortgage broker, more likely than not, you can get approved faster by using a mortgage broker than you can directly with a bank. Let's say you bank, you've been banking with Bank of America. Bank of America will only have maybe five, seven products mainly that they lend on. They'll do a conventional loan, an FHA loan, maybe a rural housing loan. They may have a couple of little loans that they keep in-house in their own portfolio. But when you deal with a broker, a mortgage broker, they are not tied to one bank. They may work with 30 or 40 different banks. And there may be a multitude of products that they could put you in. So first, I always recommend people find you a mortgage broker, someone who has experience in all types of different types of credit. Because when you're dealing with the bank, if you're going to a Wells Fargo, a Bank of America, they're used to dealing with cookie cutter people. Those are A paper, what we call A paper, meaning you're W-2'd, you're not self-employed, you're W-2'd, you have money, you have money to put down, you've got normally 20% or more to put down, uh, you've got good credits. 
Whereas if you've had some dings along the way, you know, your credit score may not be perfect. You may not be a 750 or a 720. A mortgage broker will have access to many more products to put you in. Let's say you have a 680 credit score. A mortgage broker may have many different lenders they can, you know, find that'll work for you. So what I do as an underwriter is first, when you're dealing with a mortgage broker, they will run, uh, they'll pull an initial credit report, see where your credit is at. Mm -hmm. They may even do an initial uh, run through Fannie Mae, through Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, like your um, Fannie Mae's underwriting system is called DU, desktop underwriter. Um, Freddie Mac's is LP, which is loan prospector. USDA has GUS, which is the guaranteed underwriting system. So your mortgage bro broker may run you through one of those systems first. And that's where it's going to pull your credit and see where you're at. Then what happens is once you get your appraisal done, you've got your title work done, you've given your mortgage broker all of your financial information, meaning W-2s, uh, two years tax returns, two months worth of bank statements. Um, you may give them your um, retirement accounts, like if you have a 401k uh, or you have a TSP with the federal government, whatever, you're going to give them all those documents and then they send those to us, the underwriter. Mm -hmm. So even though the computer may say, oh, they're good to go, the computer is still going to say, the desktop underwriter is still going to say, verify that they have two months of reserves, meaning they have two months worth of mortgage payments in their bank account and they will have that after the closing. Okay. Um, verify that they have enough money to close on the loan. Verify that they actually have worked at this job for a year or two years or whatever. We're the person who verifies all the information that you gave the mortgage broker. Got you. Okay. Okay. I see. So it's 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 a a very strenuous process that you guys go through. What else? Yes. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see? The common mistakes that you see with people trying to lend or trying to get a loan for like say a conventional loan or FHA loan. Right. Any type of loan. This is the, pro and this is one thing I preach on my channel. Do your homework, do your homework. Um, we'll see people that have old collections where it may not necessarily impact your score anymore, but a lot of our lenders, a lot of the people who actually lend the money, they have certain criteria that says, you cannot have any collections. Your collections cannot total more than $2,000 or you're out, period. So people don't clean up their old credits. Mm -hmm. um, and just asking for basic paperwork, it's not personal. Listen, when I, I look at a file, I'm just looking for what the, the underwriting computer says I need. I don't care about anything else. It's, it's not important. So if I say, we need two months, your last two months bank statements and all pages, even the blank pages on the back. You know, when you get your banks, the old school bank statements, I know we don't print out bank statements anymore. Everything's, you know, uh, you can see it on your phone. Yeah, just a PDF. But I want all those pages. I need the blank pages on the back. I need the pages that don't say nothing, you know, and it's not anything personal, but the system is looking for all pages of the bank statement, you know. That's what it is. And um, the other thing, the biggest problem I see beyond the documentation is just the debt to income is out of whack. It's, it's, it's out of whack. 
you know, if you're if you got a car payment that's a thousand dollars, twelve hundred dollars, and I see them all the time, mm-hmm. more than likely your your debt to income is out of out of whack. You know, um, with student loans, I tell people all the time: if you have student loans, apply for the new student loan repayment plans because it may bring your payment down to zero. I know it brought my daughter's payment down to zero. You know what I'm saying? So work on your student loans. Get all your ducks in a row before you apply so that that way there's no problem with your debt to income because you never know the interest rate. Someone may quote you an interest rate today of six or six and a half. And then tomorrow we wake up and the Fed is met and they say the rate is seven, you know. And so then we're scrambling because you don't have enough room in your debt to income to support a higher interest rate. So do your home, get everything together right now, you know. Let me ask you this, you, in terms of debt to income. So debt to income, when you said income is assets considered as income. When I yeah. say assets, life insurance policies or gifts or uh, things that's granted or like uh, a TSP, like in the government, 401k, right. is that all considered as uh, income? No, that's... That's considered your asset. But uh, we, we, when we look at income, we're talking about if you're W-2, I want to know how much you make an hour. How many hours a week do you work? So like some people, like nurses, for example, sometimes they they work 36 this week or and then they'll have, you know, over 40 the next week. They may do 48. We need to know how much you make per hour if you're paid hourly, if you're paid weekly or if your salary you know, that the actual income that comes in every week, every month, however you get paid, that is your income. And then we count that and it's your gross, not your net. So if you make a thousand a week, but you only bring home 700 a week after taxes and everything, that's fine. We're still counting that thousand a week, right? Even, even overtime. Overtime is tricky. You got to have a two year history of getting that overtime. Okay. On a consistent basis. So like um, if you just work overtime during the Christmas season, you know uh, what I'm going to do. Let's say you make you make an extra five thousand dollars during November and December. You know, you working somewhere, you know, from Black Friday on. OK, I'm going to take that five thousand dollars. It's not going to say that you have five thousand dollars in, in, in overtime. I'm going to take it and divide it over 52 weeks. I got you. Because you're not hardly going to have anything, you know, during the other parts of the year. So so overtime has to be consistent. Just like if you work a second job, we have a lot of people to say, but I work part time. They do. Maybe they work at Amazon in the warehouse or whatever. You still got to have a two year history before that money can be counted. Got you. Because the bank doesn't want you to work this part time job just to get a loan and then you're going to quit that job and then you're going to be tight in making your payment, you know, going forward. Mm-hmm. So we want to know what your income is. And for my self-employed people, this is very important. If you write everything off, you're not going to be able to buy a house. Right. Cause your, your losses. You're showing, yeah. You're showing the loss for the year or you're showing you made $12,000 a year. Okay, fine. Then you only have a thousand dollars a month of income. Mm-hmm. And so for self-employed people, I know it sucks. Believe me, I've been self-employed longer than I've been employed, well, about half and half these days. But 
you got to eat it for two years is what I tell my my customers. You got to eat it, meaning you can't write nothing off for two years. So, you know, it's funny. Two when years. I first when I first my first home, that would happen to me. I was self-employed mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> I wrote everything off as a, uh, you know, uh, as a loss. Right. So, Marcus Underwriter was like, well, you don't apply because you only made X, Y, and Z amount of money. So I had to go back, amend my taxes. Mm-hmm. And the money that I made, I had to go back and pay taxes. Oh, on that money that I didn't pay for that I was trying to hide from. So exactly. yeah, I, yeah, that happens a lot. That happens a lot. Yes, it does. You got to do one or the other. And like I told people in my videos before, when I ate it for them two years, I owed the IRS. I'm like you, I owed them. So I owe taxes. So I entered into a payment plan mm-hmm. as soon as I filed and I paid them so much. And then that next year came around. I had paid off the first year. I entered into another payment arrangement. And then that second year, then after that, I was good. I paid up all my old taxes and I had two years worth of tax returns showing how much money I really made. And so then I was good to go. But yeah, you got to, there's no, there's just no way around it. It It sucks. So let me ask you this, because I know you've been in the business almost 18 years, right? Almost 20 years. Let's say 20. You're going to give a rough number 20. That's a long <laughs> That's number. right. You know? So now, in every system, since you said this is a computer-operated system, mm-hmm. right? we have this thing what we call AI now, right? Artificial mm-hmm. intelligence. So with AI, they give you cheat codes to everything. So in mortgage underwriting, what are the cheat codes? When I say cheat codes, what works in a person's favor and what doesn't work in their favor? What are some cheat codes people could need to know that you're willing to give to say, okay, well, do this and this will work? Right. Because sometimes what will happen is we'll get what we call a refer, where the system is saying, mm, I don't know, you might, I want a human to look at this because I the, the system can't make the call. So when we have to visit, that's what we call a manual underwrite or a refer. So one the things that help you, the cheat codes is time on job. If you've been on your same job more than two years, that helps you. That gives you points. That that helps. Because that's one thing I can check out. I can say, oh, his credit score may be questionable. The other some other things may be questionable, but he's been on his job 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's a plus. If you have reserves, meaning you have money in the bank, and I mean in the bank, not at home, we have to source and season money. And this is the result of 9-11. Because after 9-11, they came out with the Patriot Act, which mm-hmm. just simply means we've got a document. You know, you can't move more than $10,000. You know, right. the, the banks get crazy. Yeah, same difference. I've got to know you got to show me where that where your down payment is coming from, where your closing cost is coming from. If you're getting a gift, let's say your mom gave you money for your closing cost, then I got to see mama's bank statements. I got to see where mama got the money from. So they want to just make sure there's no money laundering going on. Okay. So if you have reserves, if I need, if the minimum is two months, but I see you got six months worth of reserves in your bank account, meaning I can look on your bank statement and you got six months. Hey, that's good. The more reserves you have, the better, the higher your credit score. There's some loans that I have underwritten where it's like, look, you can skip all of this. If when you pull the when I pull the credit and it says 750 or higher, you can roll. 
You don't have to even document anything. So wow. you want to get your credit score as high as possible. Then you want to be on the job or in the same field. You know, like don't, if you're, if you're a, let's say you're a, um, you're an engineer and, but last year you were driving Uber or something like that. You know what I'm saying? You need to stay in the same field. So even if it's not two years on the same job, at least be in the same field. So let's say you were an engineer here, you moved across country, you started a new job, so you got a better position, you're still in the same field. Okay. And like I said, the reserves and the time on the job is what in the credit score. So now uh let's let's transition from yeah. real estate to land. Okay. Because I know like right now people are purchasing land and the USA have this program to where they're giving all these farmers and people in agriculture money to purchase rural land. Yeah. What is the difference between the two in terms of require, uh, requirements in getting a loan to purchase land? To get a loan to purchase land, normally that's only going to be the most loan to value that I have seen is normally going to be about 50%, meaning if a piece of land costs a hundred thousand, you're gonna to have to pay fifty thousand. You you need to have fifty thousand of your own money. And then, if you're doing maybe a construction of perm, sometimes they'll they'll work with you on buying the rest of that land. But the land gets tricky, and you got to distinguish between raw, undeveloped land and developed land. This is where real estate developers come in. If you're buying just raw land, let's say somebody has 40 acres. You know, they got their 40 acres and a mule and now they're going to sell off 20 of them acres, right? Mm -hmm. But there's never been nothing on this land, nothing. So then you're going to have to start from the beginning. You need to know where the boundary lines are, you know, where the actual property lines are. You They can't just wake up and say, well, we're going to sell the back 20 acres. Well, what is what exactly is that? You're going to need to know where the boundaries are, you know, where the property lines are. Does it have an easement? Meaning, can you drive your your car onto the property or do I have to go through go through the farmer's land to get to that back 20? You know what I'm saying? So does it does it have an easement? Do I have access to get onto the property? Next, you're going to need to know, does it perk? Meaning, if you do not have city water and sewer at that property, how big of a house can I put on it? What? How does the land absorb water? That's going to tell you what type, what type and what size of septic system, because you're going to need to get the waste off the property. Right. Okay. And then before that, even before you know how, whether or not it's going to perk, you need to know, does it have water? Do you have access to water? It, again, if you don't have street water, you know, if you don't have city water and sewer, then does it have a well? And then you have to do a well test. We do well tests, especially on the USDA side. If you tell me that all your water comes from a well, I'm going to have, I, we're going to require a well test, meaning they're going to test the water in that well to make sure that it's not contaminated. You know, because the last thing any lender wants to lend on is a dry house. We call a dry house no water, right? Or the well is is contaminated. So then there's no way we're going to lend on that because if if I lend you the money to buy that house and then you don't pay, 
who's going to buy a house with no water? You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and people need to remember that these lenders, they're in the business of lending money. They're not in property management. They don't want your house. So if you get in trouble, you, you falling behind, whatever, call them, call them up because the last thing they want is your house. Right. They can sometimes, we can sometimes move those payments to the end of the loan. We can, you know, break it up where you pay an extra hundred, two hundred dollars to make up what you missed or whatever, but they don't want your house and what, they don't want your land. What about the USDA? Because I, now this is what I heard and this is by just doing my type of my research on the USDA. They have this thing called FSA, I believe, where they loan money yeah. to you 100% for the land, as long as it's, well, I believe it's 30 miles outside of city limits, but you have to use it for agricultural use. Right. That's on the farm service side of USDA. Uh, now, that's, I've never dealt with farm service, but yes, they are about more about operating farms, whether it's a small farm or a larger farm. Farm service handles land like that. On the USDA side, it has to be a an existing property, or you can do if you own the land. What? Well, let me back up. They have one. They work with Clayton Homes nationally hmm. to do a land home package. So maybe Clayton has land that they have purchased or that they have rights to, you know, an option on, and they'll put a manufactured home with that land. So you can do that on the rural side. It's just got to fall within the rural maps. Uh, USDA has a uh, has the map on their website where you can put in an address or a close by, if, even if there's no street, put in the closest road to that street. So like if, if Main Street and Jones Street intersect Put something close to that intersection and just see if, if it falls in the rural area. If it does, then you can do a USDA loan. But USDA loans are, are supposed to be modest homes. They're only for homeowners. Mm -hmm. You cannot use a USDA loan to buy investment property, to buy a rental property. They don't do that. If you're supposed to live in it, it's supposed to be a modest home. Um, there's no limit on the acreage, but I will tell you this. When you get into a hundred acre property or a 50 acre property, it's going to be hard to get that through USDA because if that's the case, if you could afford a 50 acre property, you should be going conventional. We have a conventional test in USDA. First, we say, could this person finance this property through a conventional loan? Meaning, do they have more than 20% in the bank and, and reserves? Yes. Do they have a credit score uh, above six, uh, 660 or above? Yes. Um, there are some other questions that we ask, but if you, if I answer yes to all those, you can't do a USDA loan. These are for supposed to be for people who cannot afford a conventional loan. Right. Yeah. Got you. So I uh, appreciate that information because that was much needed, especially with this USDA stuff. And they, you know, they, yes. they give away free money. I'm like, hold on now. Free. <laughs> I know that's right. This thing is free. That's so, right. Uh, in the news lately, of course, and I this is I want your opinion on this since you you're working with these banks and you're a broker and you you know have this relationship with these banks. I want to talk about this Navy Federal situation. So, for those who haven't heard, Navy Federal uh, it did a study that people that was applying for mortgages that 67% of white individuals who applied got approved and only 48% of people that was black 
got approved. So they're doing, they're wondering why Navy Federal is one of the, if not the biggest federal uh, credit union in the United States. And they wonder why the disparities against blacks, even though they're qualified for these loans, they're not giving it to them. So I want your opinion on that. What you think about that situation? I just uh I just uh, brought out a video on my channel today. Um, here's here's my thing. Um, the study was done by CNN. Uh, you can take that with a grain of salt because I know some people, you know, are over here with their news or over here. You know, some people like Fox, some people like MSNBC or whatever. You know. Uh, but this was done by a news organization and they were looking at these statistics. I will say this, um, I reserve <laughs> my opinion until I hear Navy Federal side on it. Because when you're looking, it's easy to say it when you, if you're looking for something negative to say, mm -hmm. let me say that, you know, uh, Navy Federal is the biggest credit union in the country, but Mortgages is not is not their their thing. I would never. I'm a member of Navy Federal. I've been a member of Navy Federal for many years. I've never gone to them for a loan for a mortgage. Let me say that. Neither. No. Mm -mm. Yeah. I go. I, I get approved. <laughs> amen. Amen. Credit cards, cars, yeah. personal loans, lines of credit. That's perfect for them. I've never seen a credit union that is strong in in the mortgage game. I just haven't because normally credit unions, because they are member owned, that means they're lending out the members money. I've just found them to be way more restrictive than other institutions. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's not they don't make a lot of money on mortgages. Therefore, they don't do a lot of mortgages. You know, um, now, when I watched the video from CNN, uh, about the man who got turned down, I was, mm, it made me feel, I, I had all these questions in my mind as an underwriter and I was trying to not to think as an underwriter, but like he's self-employed. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. All right. So did he eat it for two years? You know what I'm saying? Did he, did he eat those, uh, those tax, those taxes that he pays, you know, pay the taxes and not write off everything for two years? You know, uh, because I know and probably the same for you. I'm the CEO of my own corporation. You the CEO of your own corporation. So that doesn't that doesn't hold any any weight with me. You know what I'm saying? Um, then when it was all said and done, it came down to his debt to income. When you listen to it. OK, so then he says he went and applied elsewhere and he ultimately got approved. Well, was it the exact same application, meaning once he got turned down at Navy Federal, did he have to put more money down? Did he go get a co-signer? You know, what what was the difference? I just felt like it was just too little of information. You know what I'm saying? So um, because at the end of the day, for most mortgage brokers, you should go to a mortgage broker if you want a mortgage. Go to a mortgage broker. That's what they do. And I don't think it's about black or white or anything. It's about green. It's about dollar bills. Right. It's about dollar bills. Mortgage brokers will work harder for you to get you closed because if you don't close, they don't get paid. Period. Whereas somebody at the bank, maybe and somebody at Navy Federal, they're all salaried employees. So they just put in the information or whatever. 
They look at it, and if it don't fly, it don't fly, but they still get paid. You need to have somebody who has a vested interest in you closing on that house. Yeah, I, I agree, you know, and I have other opinions on that, too. Like you said, they give you information, and the news is sensationalized. And they want somebody to get the views. I get that. And at mm -hmm. the same time, I told him, I said, I said, is he a citizen of the United States? Because, you know, <laughs> that's my people. But at the same time, I know we do a lot of fraudulent stuff. I'm not, I'm just saying. I'm you just said what you said. Oh, but, I touched on that in my video, too, because I said, let's remember in 20, when we first went into the pandemic, right, and we got shut down in 20 and 21, there were so many videos on YouTube telling people how to run game on Navy Federal. Navy Federal, right. The cheat code on Navy Federal. What, yeah. Wasn't it, though? So, and and like I said, those are regular, the, the board members, the employees, everybody, they regular people just like us. You think they didn't see that? You think they didn't see how everybody was trying to run game on them? And if, if that was me, I would have just put the clamp on it too. I would have made all my underwriting much more difficult to get through when I see that there's people out here just thinking they can game us and take our money. And you don't know how many losses that they incurred. You know, we yep. see all the people that got busted with PPP money. Yep. So who's to say that they wasn't trying to, they didn't take Navy Federal for a whole bunch of money too. And so now they're just very, very selective in who they went to. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good information. So Ms. Ronnie, look, I know this conversation is an awesome conversation. It could go forever, but I know you got to go and I don't want you to give all the game away, but I do want people to reach out to you for any questions. I want them to view your channel because the same way uh, I saw your channel, I want somebody else to see your channel. So how exactly. can people get in contact with you uh, if they want to talk about uh, uh, qualifications, if they just want to talk about just your social media, how can they get in contact? Uh, okay, again, my channel on uh, YouTube is my name, Rhonda, R-H-O-N-D-A, Burgess, B-U-R-G-E-S-S. -S. Uh, my website is rhondaburgess.com. Um, they can reach me there. Um, and then my email, I also have email. My email is long. It's, it's from old. But anyway, it's Rhonda at Realty, R-E-A-L-T-Y, World, Nashville. Dot com Rhonda at realtyworldnashville.com. Okay, it's cool. I'm gonna have it at the bottom anyway, so you know it's all good. Yes. <laughs> and guys, you can view this anytime. You know, it's gonna be on both of our uh platforms. Yes. Uh I appreciate you guys for tuning in, man. I hope this information helped you out, which I know it did help you out, especially going into the holiday, going into the 2020, what 2024? Yes. I lost my track of years, you know. <laughs> We're going into the new year. I know you guys have some plans. You guys want to purchase real estate land. And you do need that information that Ms. Burgess just gave today. I appreciate her for coming on. I appreciate you. Happy holidays to you and your family. Yes, happy holidays, everybody. Thank you. Thank you guys for tuning in. Much later. I'll see you guys later. Much love. Peace out. So let's see. Do I stop?